Hello. Let's get it started. Well, it's already started, so let's get it. Wow, that was, that was smooth. I'm currently working at a fireworks stand, so I decided I'd come out here, make a podcast. You know how it is. Uh, so this guy that I am working for, I guess you want to call him my boss. I don't really consider him to have any authority over me, though. I do what the fuck I want. Uh, <laughs> he is working, he has worked this exact same fireworks stand for 17 years now. And I am 21 years old in this moment in time, and I am at a point in my life where I'm starting to plan out who I want to be and what I want my life to be like, and all I can think is I just do not want to be anything like this dude. I think you can learn something from everybody in this world. Maybe not everybody, there's some stupid motherfuckers out there, but I think you, for the most part you can learn something from everybody. You can learn who you want to be like and who you don't want to be like. And it's nothing against this guy, he's just, well, he's not really that bright, nothing against that, but he's just, man, this dude is, he's worked the same fireworks stand for 17 years. Think about that, that, and it's depressing, because he's, he, he was one of the first fireworks stands out here, and now all these other fireworks stands are starting to pop up all over the place, and... The competition is driving his sales down. And he's constantly worried about that, but he, he, and I, I was throwing some marketing ideas out to him to get the, get the sales up. You know, go to some local businesses, get some direct marketing, get some, I don't know, some like coupons at the counters of all the local restaurants. Make a deal with them. They can put their cards by your register as well. I mean, it's a win-win, you know, but. This dude just, you can just tell he doesn't have the passion for the business. He's been doing this shit for 17 years. He's like, he, he wanted me to do it all. I'm like, fuck no. You know, I, I just feel for this guy. I really empathize with him because he, he hates it. And he's not, I mean, he's, he's very vocal about how much he fucking hates working here. Uh, but with that being said, I'm at a point in my life where... I'm thinking about who I want to be, and I just, I don't want anything to do with that. I want, I want passion. I want passion to, I think passion's a very important life part about being happy. I think there's a very strong correlation between happiness and passion in your life. I've come to find the more passionate I am about things, about people, not necessarily possessions at all, but especially, like, just activities that I'm doing, the, the more fulfilled, the more purpose I have, the happier I am, and that's when life is interesting, is when you're doing something you're passionate about, and I, I don't want to be working some job that I dread showing up to, I mean, this dude's working, I'm just using him as an example, because he's, there's so many fucking people in this society that are like this, any society, really, it's not just the United States, even though I think we're the fucking king of showing up to work you don't want to, I don't know, I'm probably wrong, but, um, you know, I, I just—it's not gonna be me. I'm not gonna—I'm gonna show up to work because I want to. It's not gonna be a job for me. It's gonna be fun, and I'm gonna work when I—when the fuck I want to work. I don't like people telling me what to do, and I like to do things when I want to do them. You know, I like to—I want to be able to wake up in the morning and plan out my day and do whatever I decide to do. And I'm a hard worker. 
It's just like, what do I want to put my work rate to? And I think that's going to involve passion. Anyway, that was just a little side note. Let's get into uh, some other topics that I wanted to discuss. That I wanted to go on a little rant binge about, you know, get that that rant muscle working. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here in this lawn chair in this firework stand. I worked this job last year with the uh, over the summer with one of my good buddies, Michael O'Shea. Good guy, known him since uh, freshman year of high school. And this dude's over in France right now, having the time of his life. He was recently, he was just in uh, Amsterdam in the Netherlands and balling out. And I don't really want to discuss what he was doing because it was personal issues, but he was in Amsterdam and he was having a good fucking time. Ugh. This is a chill job though. I mean, I'm working 12 hours. It's minimum wage, but it's a good little summer college job, you know? It's, it's paying the bills, and I am basically found a way to get paid to sleep, and I'm about it. I'm about it. I can work by day if I want to. I can do a podcast by day. I can call your girlfriend by day. That's an option in my, uh, in my arsenal. Okay, so... I'm in the mood to go a little notepad thing, uh, things I want to talk about. I am in the mood to talk about my trip last summer because my trip last summer changed my life forever. And since we're already on the topic of how I want to live my life, might as well continue that into what my trip last summer taught me about how I want to live, what the past has taught me about how I want to proceed and live the future. Because when I travel, my preference on traveling, and what I first time I ever did this was last summer, is I like to gain perspective on the world. I like to kind of realize, I like to see the differences in different cultures and all that whenever I'm traveling. I don't like to just stay, I don't like to travel just to get away from life. To I don't see traveling as an, es es an escape. I see traveling as an opportunity to learn about the world, to experience new things, and I guess I kind of see it as an escape to kind of see new beautiful things, but I think a lot of people just see it as uh, spending a, do a few days away from their normal life because their normal life is so miserable that they don't want to deal with it. But so, uh, long story short, I met two good friends, Harry and Zach. Zach is black, just remember black Zach. Harry is white. Not that that matters, it's just a good reference point instead of calling them Harry and Zach because you're going to get them confused. These two dudes don't get along, but they both love me and I love them. So I'm like the middleman. They're constantly putting me in the middle of their confrontations. It's very fucking annoying, but I put up with it because they're both two of the cool fucking, coolest fucking dudes I've ever met in my life. And uh, so we meet hang out like all the time throughout the semester this time last year um, spring semester of 2016 at the end of the semester we're like fuck it let's go on a road trip we're about to go on the road trip and the dude that's driving us backs out like a week before and he doesn't do this like a man he does this like a fucking vagina I like the guy I like him a lot he's a cool dude but this was a bitch move, and I told him this was a bitch move. I was very clear that this was a bitch move because it was a bitch move. 
he uh he backed down on us not he never sent me any text like bro I'm so sorry I really wanted to go but I can't no it was it was just no reply hey I'm gonna ignore this motherfucker and just pretend that he doesn't exist because that's what I'm gonna do instead of just being a man about it and saying hey I'm unable to make it I apologize no apology just no fucking nothing anyway long we uh from St. Louis, well, we start in St. Louis. That's where my home is right now, as of currently. Uh, that's where I'm temporarily staying, even though I've been here my entire life, for the most part. Um, we start in St. Louis, then we go to Kansas City, stay with one of my buddies from school there for uh, from Sunday, May 15th, till Thursday. Uh, just explore KC, enjoy the area there. That wasn't really too much of a getaway. Next day, I go with the. So I stay in Kansas City with the black one. He gets a flight out Wednesday. Thursday, you know what? I'm not going to explain this entire trip. I'm just going to talk about what I learned. And I, I, I'll go into a little bit of where I went. And then I won't give any details, though. Maybe a few. I'll tell a few stories because there are some badass fucking stories that happened. Um, so. We start in St. Louis, then we go to Kansas City. We go to, from Kansas City to Denver, Colorado, to Colorado Springs. And we're getting the, all of these places we're getting by like Greyhound buses at this point. I think every trip, except my dad drove us to Kansas City. But once we get to Colorado Springs, me and Harry, the white one, uh, travel. We, we rent a car. And we we're fortunate enough that our Airbnb host actually rented the car in her name because she's that much of a fucking G. She's that fucking cool. She's just going to rent a car under her name to two strangers just because one's Australian as fuck and the other's a cool motherfucker. That cool motherfucker being me. Uh, so we, we have a car. We, we take it to like 10 different spots like national parks and shit. Like, we go to the Breaking Bad house in Albuquerque. We go to the Great Sand Dunes. We go to Zion National Park. Beautiful Horseshoe Bend. Also very beautiful. The Grand Canyon. Uh, very anticipated, but beautiful. Uh, it's a big fucking hole in the ground, if, if, you, if you're not aware. Uh, yeah, just hit like 10 national parks and like 7 days or something like that. Constantly on the move, constantly driving, constantly smoking pot. Good time, a lot of a lot of fun. We we actually got in trouble for weed. They found my bull. Harry took the blame for it. Very cool of him. Uh, by a national cop, security guy, or whatever, in a national park. When we weren't even doing, we weren't even like being stupid about it. Just left my pill, my bull in a pill bottle in the cup holder. The cop was looking through our car. I did a great job at trying to distract the cop to get to the trunk because I knew no pot was back in the back. Well, I guess I guess I'm just telling the world that I smoke weed because I, I I don't give a shit. I'm not a piece of shit. I'm 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 not. I mean, out of the, I don't know if you see it that way, but if you do, fuck you. I mean, it's a very outdated way to think. Anyway, I, I distract the cop, try to get him in the back of the car. I'm looking through the back, like, and he comes to the back, very nosy motherfucker. He's, he's like looking around with his little flashlight, even though it was bright, it's day out, he didn't even need a fucking flashlight. And, um, 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking around in the back while I try to get Harry to get inside. Distractions, thought it through. Doesn't work. We get in the car. While we're getting in the car, sweet talk the shit out of him. We played it very cool. He grabs Harry's door, forces himself in there, and says, What's that? So I guess he had to wait till, I don't really know the law with that, but I'm assuming he had to wait until the car was actually open. The car door was open. Then he uh, just fucking stood there and stared at it, and then we got in trouble. We got like a $250 fine that Harry took. Even though he had most of the pot, I uh, had the bowl, and I guess it was my mistake. It was probably equally both of ours, but he was cool enough to take that because he knew I didn't have much money. I did this trip. I did this entire trip, keep this in mind, in like $1,200, and that's including a plane ticket. And I, I mean, that's, that's all the hostels, all the food, all the... Uh, Greyhound buses. M main expense were the, was the plane ride from San Francisco to St. Louis, and the other main expense was uh, was the Greyhound buses. I made a fair amount there. Anyway, uh, so Harry and I eventually get to Vegas. We spend like two nights in Vegas, and we meet these girls a few days prior to being in Vegas at a national park. We give these girls numbers, we keep up with them, we meet back up with them in Vegas because we find out they're two German girls. We find out that they're uh, going to be in the same spot as us, going to all the same spots as us. We're like, hey, fuck it, we'll travel with them. Meet back up with them, stay in the same hostel in Vegas, hang out with them for a night. I thought they were cool then. Then we, uh, we end up riding with them because we dropped the rental car off in Vegas. And these, we ride with these two girls. They annoy the fuck out of me. We, they were just very close-minded and annoying. I didn't like them. So we get, we uh, ride from Vegas to San Diego. We also got stopped by Border Patrol in the middle of it. And I was chill as fuck, cause they're all, they're all fucking foreigners, scared they're gonna get kicked out of the country. Uh, cause we had like, we told, we told the Border Patrol, we were very honest with them and told them we had like an ounce, or we had like a half hour or something like that. And, uh. And they were like, they were like, oh, I, they just let us go. They saw the weed. They're like, all right, cool. That's whatever. I mean, it's Cal it's California, you know. Nobody really gives a shit over there. They were looking for like murders or bodies and heroin, like pounds of if anything. And uh, so anyway, we we get across the border. Uh, we get to San Diego. These girls pissed me off to the point I didn't talk the last two hours of the trip or something like that. I was done. I was D-U-N done, man. I was fucking pissed. I was heated. And I decided to get out of the car as soon as we get to Coronado Beach and just fucking walk. I'm like, fuck these people. Not Harry, but fuck these girls, man. They suck. I just got out, grabbed half my shit, and just left. Coronado, if you don't know, is a island right next to San Diego. San Diego's here. Coronado's here. There's a bridge connecting the two. I didn't know that. I didn't know where the fuck I was. All I knew is I was annoyed with these two German female individuals. And I, I, I talk some shit about World War II. Very uh, stereotypical American. I, I get so mad. I was actually, I had an American flag that I was like getting around everybody I met on the trip. I'd have them sign it. And I had that shit used as a blanket. Or as a pillow, what am I saying? As a pillow, a neck pillow, and I had an American bandana tied around my head. I was like, fuck you, USA, bitch. I was so mad. They were just, I don't know. Don't want to get into that. 
So I get out at Coronado, just walk around, don't really know what to do with my day from there because I discover after about an hour of walking around that it is an island and I don't know how the hell to get back to San Diego. So I start nervously eating all my food. Within an hour or two, I eat like nine granola bars. Those nine granola bars were good. That's unrelated though. They were, they were like very, I think it was like sweet and salty or something. Fantastic. Great addition to my nervous eating. But anyway, uh, I'm over there. I'm like, fuck, how the fuck do I get back? Um, contacting one of my buddies, trying to get me to like download Lyft or something for like a free ride. Try to figure that out. My phone dies while I'm trying to do that. Then I have to go find a charger. My phone just keeps dying and dying and dying. I'm stranded over there for like four hours. I get to the point that I'm just pissed off because I'm already, I'm already angry, and then this, this anger is just going in a neg negative spiral, and at the time, I wasn't emotionally intelligent enough to really figure that out. I guess I kind of was, but not as well as I would have handled that situation now. But it was a learning experience, and that was probably why I can handle it better now, is because I learned from the, the emotions then. Anyway, we, um, I saw walking across this bridge, just, just going for it, just I said, fuck it, I'm, I'm, there's probably a sidewalk. There was not a sidewalk, I come to find out. Luckily, to my luck, this uh, this guy who's in the Navy pulls over on the side, and he's like, uh, he's like, hey, man, uh, do you need a ride? I'm like, yes, I absolutely do need a ride if you're offering them. And he's like, yes, let's get in. Uh, I'll take you wherever you need to be. I'm like, I have a hostel downtown San Diego. This guy takes me out. We uh, hang out in San Diego, and... Uh, Hang out there for a few nights. Ended up partying with some Irish people that night in the hostel. Like I think it was uh, like like 15 of them. They were all staying in the hostel together. Met some Irish girls. Also met some Irish guys, if that's worth mentioning. They were cool. They were cool guys. They're crazy. Those fucking Irish people are they're wild, man. They're crazy dudes. And um, they like to drink. I was in 21 at the time, so I walked to a bar with them, get denied. Then I walk, I see across the street, there's this, this uh, African-American individual who was, who decided to s commit his life to a, a brand called Make Way or something, or Make Room, and he was selling hats outside of some restaurant or something, and he was very passionate about his brand, so I decided to see what the sales were like, so I stood with this guy for about two hours. And he did not sell a single hat. He tried to sell me a hat, but I was on. Oh, he did sell a hat. He sold a hat to one of his. He had like a. He had like six guys standing around him. Like, like I guess you call them like groupies or something. And it, I feel like that's not the right term to say it. But he he uh, had these his buddies standing around him. One of his buddies bought a hat, so that was a lie. He did sell one hat, but it was funny just uh, seeing him try to get all these people's attention walking down the street, and just nobody gave a shit about his hat brand. It was it was kind of it was funny, but it was also kind of depressing because you could kind of tell this guy put all his eggs in one basket. But I was willing to help him out. I'm like, you know what? You got a lot of black dudes standing around with you. I will make this a little bit more evened out, a little bit more diverse. So I stood around with him, and um, yeah, I was. I, I think there's one other white guy there, but we had a crew, man. We had a squad, and we did our best to sell those hats. I I tried to promote them as well to my abilities as I possibly could. Still unsuccessful though. Uh, anyway, long story short, I get back to the hotel. We leave the next morning. 
uh, how did we get back? We, we took a Greyhound up to Los Angeles, and I had a buddy about a year and a half ago that I went to a school with called Maryville University in St. Louis. It's a really shitty school. If you've ever heard of it, I hope you haven't because it fucking sucks. Uh, I stay with this buddy. I had, so I, I had two really good friends when I was at Maryville. That was the only good thing that really came out of that experience besides a lot of soul searching and a lot of, uh, I guess, figuring out about I had some depression issues I was dealing with and trying to overcome that uh, that battle constantly, that constant struggle of depression. If any of you have ever been at that point of that situation in your life, I uh, figured out a lot by myself, so I guess some good came out of it now uh, looking at it in retrospect. But uh, I had two very good friends, and not to get too deep right now, but I had two very good friends who... Uh, One's name is Steven, one name is Isaiah, and at the time, Isaiah would have never known this, but I, that semester I was suicidal, and I was like very, very, I was thinking about it a lot. If you've ever been in that deep, dark place, I, I'm not going to get into depth, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, anyway, I was suicidal, and the only thing that really got me through that, besides my family, was those two friends, and ironically, about six months after, uh, those two friends helped me out, Isaiah and Steven. Isaiah ended up killing himself in the woods. And, yeah, like I said, not to get too morbid with you, but uh, the, I, the irony there is that the person who really helped me out the most with my depression, my suicidal thoughts, was uh, Isaiah, who is now dead to suicide. And rest in peace, buddy. I mean, he was just the most upbeat, charismatic, personable, gregarious, just a great all-around human being. He was a really good guy, man. It was very surprising news. Uh, if I had to vote one of my friends not to kill themselves, he would have been towards the top of that list, even though I've never put too much thought into something like that. Uh, anyway, when I go to L.A., I got, to, I got the opportunity to hang out with Steven, but... Not that this is more important, but more importantly, <laughs> uh, I got to see Isaiah's mother, who I had met briefly for about 10 minutes before with Isaiah about a year and a half prior. And I, uh, it was a really cool experience for me. I, I really enjoyed it a lot. Isaiah, Isaiah's mom, super sweet lady, very sweet lady. I don't know, it was it was interesting seeing just I don't know she was very the way she talked about her son it was almost as if he was still there but it was beautiful because she really created a community like like her her son may have passed away just a few months prior I guess it was it was about eight months after uh, he had killed himself and there was a community that was supporting her and it was so beautiful to see that because. Steven, another one of Isaiah's best friends named Ari, and like two or three of his other friends, really good friends, uh, growing up from Southern California were around the area at the time. We, got, we all ate dinner together, and his mom cooked for us, and we all got to really support her and talk, and I don't know, you just, the, the joy that we brought her to, so it, it was almost, I don't know, it, it it was just, it was a really beautiful moment in my life. Really, really beautiful experience. And, uh, anyway, we, we leave 
Los Angeles, we, the next day, I think we walked around, saw a ton of shit, like, basic L.A. stuff, like the Hollywood sign, and saw a view over L.A., which is very fucking polluted, probably not nearly as bad as China, but it, I was, I, that was something that really blew my mind about L.A., it's just, it's a very overpopulated, dense population in, all in one area. Apparently, back in the day, there were, uh, before any people were there, it was always a notoriously very, like, dusty area, and, uh, the pollution maybe kind of mixed in with that, so it probably looks worse than the air quality actually is, but that goes without saying that, I mean, it's undeniably not good, and I don't know, that's, that's, how can you say climate change isn't real? Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, we, we, the next day, oh yeah, yeah, we, uh, we rode around, some, we rented some bikes, like some, I actually got an electronic bike, uh, like a, or, I don't know, but we uh, rented we rented bikes for the fucking ride, and we rode them around Venice Beach. Me, Zach, the black Australian, and uh, Steven, the three of us just rode our bikes on Venice Beach, which was also a beautiful experience. That was an awesome experience. Then, Zach found these two girls on, uh, what was it, on Craigslist. And these two girls were two of the most unique individuals I had ever met in my life. How would I describe them? They were gypsies. Never met a gypsy before. Cool experience. Enjoyed talking with them. And they were strippers. Also never met a stripper before. So this is like a combination of human that I had never met before. And it was interesting to talk with them. We smoked a joint and discussed topics. Uh, one of them is Instagram famous. Uh, kind of about uh, it's about as many as I had at my peak of Vine. I think she has she probably has more than I do. She got a lot more activity because women tend to do better on visually oriented platforms like Instagram. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, I think she had, I don't know she had like twenty thousand or fucking whatever. Um, she's actually pretty hot too. But we dropped the hotter one off. And we ride up, and this girl's telling me all about crystals and stuff like that. Apparently, you can meditate with crystals, and I ended up buying some crystals the next day. I don't, I don't know. It was kind of cool. I don't think they fucking work. And apparently, there's some science behind it. I don't know if it's actually been debunked or not. Something with the vibrations, the crystals. I don't know. I'm kind of into that. I think it's possible, kind of plausible. It probably sounds kind of outlandish to some of you listening out there, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Anyway, we, um, this gypsy stripper lady, very nice, classy lady, even though she's a stripper, I don't judge. I'm not, who can I judge? Uh, drops us off at about four or five in the morning. It says, deuces, nice meeting you. And I said, nice meeting you, young, classy stripper lady. And we get out and we start looking for a hostel. So I'm walking around at 4 a.m. in the city of San Francisco with my Australian buddy just going door to door with fucking, with like 50, 40 pounds on our fucking backs, just looking for a hostel. Say that. We go in one and we meet this guy. He says, No, unfortunately, we can't. We go to like four or five others. Can't figure out. About this point, we walked like a mile or two, probably, probably closer to mom. And couldn't find a single fucking hostel. So we end up sleeping in the lobby of the first one we went to. For like two, three hours. The next day, I meet the uh, the guy who's running that desk at that hotel, who was a gay guy 
uh, from the city. He lives in Sacramento, but he was stay he worked at the hostel in San Francisco. And at the time, I didn't know this dude wanted to fuck me, but this guy wanted to fuck me. And so, dude, I'm just I'm I I was completely oblivious. I just I, I don't know. I guess I guess he thought I was gay, and I don't know. He he wanted he. I don't know, I just thought we were hanging out as buddies, but I guess it was more to him than that. I kind of know how women feel in those situations when they friend zone somebody, because I had to friend zone this motherfucker. And we, uh, where are we, uh, yeah, we, we, we walk around the city of San Francisco for all fucking day long. We wake up at like 8 a.m., we're out, we're just walking around, uh, what do we do? We, we uh, trying to think. We went to a ton of different places. We one of the one of the coolest experiences was we went to Hyde Nashbury, where the hippie revolution actually started in the '60s. Which, not that I'm a hippie by any means, but I found the hippie revolution to be kind of fascinating. I I like watching documentaries like regarding that. Not not just about the hippie revolution, but it, I thought it was an interesting movement. Um, like I said, I can't judge, and we uh, we walk around there. It's very hippie, very very open-minded people. Probably a little too open-minded uh, compared to myself, but I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm enjoying the culture a lot, and we see a lot of homeless people that are like hippies that just don't give a fuck. I I had a knife in my pocket. I was fucking ready for anything, uh, just in case. You never know. I'm not scared of conflict, but I prefer not to have conflict. Uh, we're walking around Hyde Nashbury, meet up with some girls that he met. They were probably the most hippie girls I've ever met. They weren't hippie girls, they were, but they were slightly hippie, which I found attractive. I, I enjoyed that aspect a little bit, maybe a lot of it. I don't know, but the downside of hippie girls, slightly hippie girls, was that one of them did not shave their legs, as I looked down and noticed. Very bizarre mindset, but anyway, um, yeah, I didn't fuck with that, I didn't like that, I'll, I'm not gonna be discreet, I'm not gonna hide that, that was fucking just repulsive, you got a gender role, not that I'm all about gender roles, but you gotta shave your fucking legs, bitch, um, so, I hang out with these three girls, with the gay dude, so I'm the only, I'm, I'm the only one that likes girls in this situation, which is unique, I guess, I was hanging out with four bitches, basically, because this dude now is a cross-dresser. So, I'll probably never talk to him again. But he was a cool guy to hang out for that day. And that was one of the greatest days of my life. Maybe. Yeah, it was up there. It was a fun day. It was a lot of fun. And, uh... And then we ended up, like, smoking a joint with them. Hanging out with them. Uh... We met some crazy Irish people on the bus. Uh... Then we, we went back to the hostel and passed out there. The next morning, we wake up early... Zach, the Australian buddy, it, we walk around with him. It's me, the gay guy, and Zach, and we're all just chilling, straight chilling. It was, it was chilling. It was a chilling experience. Very, very chilling. Uh, yeah. So the look at this bomb ass salad, man. That is a salad and a half, bro. Anyway, I'm ready to eat that. I'm getting hungry. I'm probably gonna stop this, make it eat that shit, and then eat up. Eat that salad. You can't even call it shit. That is too goddamn nice to call shit. That's good quality food. It's some, it's even good for you and shit. Anyway, uh, uh, where was I? Oh, 
Yes, we hang out with those guys. Wake up the next day. Uh, we decide to walk around. I'm not going to get into details. Well, I, I'm terrible at winking. But uh, we walk around, and I'll, I'll probably end up telling eventually the full truth behind this story, but at this moment in time, I'd rather keep it private. We uh, walk around, and we go to a bar and get a $9 beer in the city of Francis San Francisco. Francisco. Uh, dude, this was a $9 beer. I'm a frugal motherfucker. That pissed me the fuck off. I was not happy about that. That was $9 for one fucking beer, man. And anyway, we chill there in the bar for like an hour. We're goofy. We're goofy. We're having fun. In Chinatown. We decide to walk more around Chinatown. I buy my sister, my family, some shit from San Francisco. And then we're walking, and we just see this mob of people. Just a mob. And I'm like, the first thing I thought, I was like, holy shit. There's a famous person or a terrorist attack. So I was thinking, I, I just assumed Justin Bieber. I don't know why. I just figure I'm like, nobody freaks out this much for anybody except fucking Justin Bieber. It wasn't Justin Bieber. It turned out to be Bernie Sanders. And this was like 10 days before he got knocked out of the Democratic, uh, the 2016 Democratic primary before Hillary, crooked Hillary, uh, Corrupt Hillary. Holy shit, I thought I saw somebody in the back. I was like, there's no motherfuckers around here. Wow, I saw it in the camera too. I'm I'm just paranoid. Um, before crooked Hillary or Yeah, so it was Bernie Sanders walking down the street and we, we were just going crazy. We're like, no way! I have this exact camera in my hand that I uh, am recording this video with. And I record it. Zach gets about Five ten feet from Bernie with a backpack on, no security said nothing. I guess he's he's uh not necessarily uh big. He's not somebody who's gonna start a lot of controversy like Hillary or Trump would at the time. There would have been some fights breaking out of Trump, especially the city of San Francisco, a very liberal area. Uh, if Trump was in that area walking down the street, he would have had twice the security. But Bernie was he was pretty much got he just got all love, and it was really cool to. Uh, I mean, I had no opinion on any of the three candidates, really, but I had opinions, but I didn't, like, necessarily love any of the three, you know? And uh, I thought it was very infatuating to see uh, so much love for one political candidate, because usually all you see with politics, at least my perspective of it, is too much hate. It's a lot of uh, negative feedback from all the other people, um, and it was just all love for Bernie, he just had a lot of support, everybody was going crazy, everybody was smiling, nobody was like, fuck you, it was just like, it was just all love, man, it was cool, and so we walk with him for like half a mile, then this fucking crazy dude follows us and tells us probably, no exaggeration, probably about 30 times in a row, bro, bro, I just saw Bernie Sanders, I just saw Bernie Sanders, and I was like, yeah, we all saw him. Like, by the end of it, I was just like, get the fuck away from us, man. Like, we all saw Bernie Sanders. Like, I was freaking out for a little bit. I was agreeing with him. I'm like, yeah, we just saw Bernie Sanders because it was very surreal. It was uh, unlike any experience in my life. I've never really seen somebody like that in my life, like uh, especially a political candidate. 
But uh, this motherfucker fought us for probably a half mile just saying, Dude, I just saw Bernie Sanders! And he, he looked like he did probably some crack cocaine. Not at the time, but he looked like he, he definitely had done at some point. Not to judge. But I think there were some strong indicators in his personality and his facial construction that he was a cracked out motherfucker. Or at least cocaine. Something. Something. He's been on some hard drugs, man. And uh, not to judge again. But this motherfucker was crazy. And... Uh, yeah, long story short, I get a I get a taxi over to the airport, get a plane ride back at like four or five a.m. and I'm back in STL the next day. It was a trip of a lifetime, but let's get into what I learned on that trip. Uh, I got some more stories on top of that, like some good ones. I spent the night in a cave uh, on top of I think it was Pikes Peak, and it, it was I don't know whatever the Mad New Incline in Colorado Springs, Manitou Incline. Uh, leads up to, I just went in with the intention of fucking spending the night up there, and I met some dude up in the woods, like, I think it was like 1 or 2 a.m., my phone was dead, so I didn't really know, and spent the night with him, he was, uh, he was, a uh, ex-meth addicts, he was, uh, he lived with his dad at 35, he was completely bald, had a goatee down to his nipples, and he, he was a ninja, he was a self-proclaimed ninja, that was uh, probably the best characteristic about him. Oh, he's also a very large conspiracy theorist to extremely... I, I love conspiracy theories. They're kind of addicting, but... These were the most outlandish fucking things I've ever heard in my life, man. And I don't know. Uh, he was in a ninja club on Facebook, too. But what did I learn? Let's get into what I learned. I learned... I don't, the, the freedom of not being trapped down to responsibilities all the time like school and work and all that that you just wake up and you say you just seize the day man you just kind of say you know what I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want with my day today that's what I'm going to do that's what I choose to do and you got you got a car and you got 24 hours and you in 16 hours of sunlight you get to do as much as you can in one day and it's all recreational. You get to have as much fun as you want. The only thing, I, I wish I would have more money, like a little bit more to spend. I still would have been frugal regardless of how much money I had, but there were, cool, there were a few experiences. Like we could have rented a Lambo for like $100 an hour, which I totally would have done. Uh, totally worth it. And yeah, I did some other cool experiences, some other really cool, awesome times. Uh, I don't know, it, just, it really opened my mind to a lot of things. It's kind of hard to talk about it, what exactly I learned now, because like, I'm a different person than I was a year ago when I went on this trip. I've, um, I've definitely evolved in a lot of aspects. I've matured in a lot of aspects. But um, it's hard to say exactly what I've changed, because I'm looking at my subjective reality as of now, not as of then. So I probably, probably should have made this podcast a little bit earlier, but fuck it. Fuck it. Uh... Yeah, I, I can't really think of what else I learned. I mean, I, I, I guess I've learned that the world's a lot bigger than your immediate world around you. And I've kind of, I wouldn't say I've been sheltered in my lifetime, but I've, I haven't really done as much as I would like to. I've had a lot of life experiences, but I've had them mainly in like one spot for a 21-year-old. I mean, if you're comparing me to somebody who's 50, I haven't done shit yet. 
uh, like a fun, interesting 50-year-old, not the guy who I'm working at the fireworks stand for. He's probably I probably have more life experiences than this dude because he lives for some moments, and I live for a living. Quote a big Sean, Sean Don. I don't know if that was Shakespeare or Big Sean, but I think I'm going to meet in the middle and say it was Jordan Fisher. Uh, yeah, I can't really think what else I learned. I learned a lot, man. It's Traveling opens your mind, and you get to expand your reality and expand your perception on this world, your perspective on this world. And that was very humbling because there are a lot of motherfucking people. There are like six seven billion people in this world and really not shit you know you gotta you get there's some humility in traveling as well and uh yeah a lot of learning a lot of perspective i think i'm gonna call this quits on this podcast i'll probably end up making another one i got a full battery a full battery in this bitch and uh, a long list of things i can make this podcast about so that wraps it up boys and girls ladies and gentlemen grandmas and grandpas Nice talking to you, camera. I just talked for about 30 minutes straight. No shame. No shame November. I got some stubble right now, actually. Cool. I'm going to say deuces. Goodbye.